today's episode of Lone Star Lawyers on the Varsity Podcast Network. It was brought to you by Varsity Search. Varsity Search specializes in helping small law firms in Texas hire lawyers and build great teams. So if you are thinking of making a move or your law firm is looking to hire, please go to varsitysearch.com and book a time to visit right into my calendar. Varsity Search, building great teams. Hey everyone, Daniel Hare back with you on another episode of Lone Star Lawyers. And before we get into this show, a couple of quick updates. Robert Callahan and I just released a new movie, Verdicts, episode this past Friday, where we do a deep dive into A Few Good Men. So be sure to check that out. It's in your feed right now. We'll also soon be dropping Witness for the Prosecution, so be on the lookout for that. Also, I want to let you know I'm currently conducting a search for a couple of positions with a Dallas construction law boutique firm. So if you or someone you know has construction litigation experience and is open to making a change, please contact me or have them contact me, daniel at varsitysearch.com. Okay, today is a Monday Mentors episode, and we are joined by Grant Blaze of Blaze and Hightower in Fort Worth. Grant is an experienced litigator who was more recently turned his attention to transactional and operations work, particularly with clients in the healthcare space. Multiple times, Grant has been a top attorney in Fort Worth as selected by Fort Worth Magazine, as well as a Texas super lawyer. With that, let's jump into our conversation with Grant Blaze. Thanks for being with us today on a Monday Mentors episode of Lone Star Lawyers. All right, Grant Blaze joins us now with Blaze and Hightower in Fort Worth. Grant, thanks so much for taking the time and for being with us today. My pleasure. My pleasure. Well, let's start off with just maybe having you uh, tell us a little bit about your firm and, and what you all do there and uh, and specifically what your role is in some of the practice areas that you work in. Okay. Well, again, we're, on, uh, we're based out of Fort Worth. Uh, we're, I guess, a small to mid-sized firm uh, for Fort Worth. I think we have 13 lawyers. A total of 26 uh, staff members. Uh, we are primarily a litigation firm. That's how we. That's what we. Uh, that's what we started uh, out doing. Uh, all civil defense. We do not do family or criminal. Uh, the areas that we focus on, or at least my practice, is uh, healthcare liability. So we represent uh, several hospital systems and physician groups in the in and around the area. Uh, I also do. Uh, a, a lot of governmental liability work. We represent the Texas Association of Counties uh, and and their member counties. So that's the that's the primary focus of, of my practice. We also do some insurance defense, uh, employment work. Um, we have kind of branched out in recent years over probably the last ten years, uh, providing outside general counsel services for mm. our clients. We found that uh, yeah. there was a, our smaller and, and mid-size clients who were self-insured. They didn't have an in-house legal. They couldn't afford it. They weren't large enough to actually have a, a self-supporting uh, a general counsel or, or, or an attorney. So they looked to us for, for those services. So we've kind of branched out and we do that for about five or six of our clients wow. as well. Yeah. So kind of full service then with, with those folks. Well, um, well, that's great. Well, um, you mentioned a couple of, of areas um, that I wanted to, to ask you about within the industries that uh, you work with. And you mentioned healthcare, you mentioned government. Um, 
what's going on in those areas in terms of just uh, changes in the law or changes in the industry or in business that are impacting your clients uh, in those spheres and therefore impacting your practice with them specifically? Sure. Obviously, well, obviously, tort reform several years ago in the enactment of Chapter 74 with, re, with regard to the non-economic damages caps, but that's sure. been several years. And so uh, that, that, had a, uh, that had a large impact on our practice. Yeah. The, the number of medical malpractice cases that we had you know, significantly plummeted. So we, we don't have as many of those as, as we used to. Um, the, the, you know, we have, we've kind of evolved from that and, and frankly, we represent our healthcare clients in more commercial type claims than med mal cases because of it relative to kind of current issues, obviously, um, HIPAA created kind of a, an unknown and it's still ever evolving relative to kind of the regulations that they have to navigate for, for purposes of, of, um, of their compliance, there are, uh, there's also the transparency movement for uh, hospital charges. That's actually kind of been a big, big kind of uh, topic, yeah. and that's kind of that's kind of hit the national stage. So we actually do represent uh, several of our our uh, healthcare clients in really payor disputes uh, and and litigation involving essentially the bill charges versus what is an appropriate or reasonable uh, reimbursement rate. So that's kind of the big area in healthcare right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Relative to governmental liability, things have, things have not really changed there. Mm-hmm. There has been a push. I don't know how far it's going to go, but I know that several fifth circuit judges and, and, and also uh, two Supreme court justices have kind of questioned the, uh, the continued viability of, of, uh, of a qualified immunity. Mm, yeah. Uh, so in that, again, qualified immunity is still alive and well, but there has been kind of a, a push and some justices have questioned whether or not that's, that's a, that's a, a, a doctrine that should be either abolished or significantly reduced. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, um, that's enough to keep you on your toes. <laughs> and... <laughs> Keeps me busy. Pays my more. <laughs> that's good. Well, um, and just kind of winding up with one other thing that you mentioned there, because I would get asked uh, fairly often, I would say, uh, from from uh, either law students or young lawyers about uh, looking at getting into healthcare compliance. And you talked about HIPAA and some of that. Um, do you see that it, it, just the compliance part, not necessarily the litigation coming out of it, the compliance part, and more, maybe even more that in-house part that you talked about um, being a, a, a you know, an opportunity for a lawyer to pursue and become kind of a, uh, an expert in and a niche practice within, within that is that big enough, growing enough, enough stuff there. Um, or, or is it still kind of challenging to make a practice out of that at this point? I think it is a, is it a market opportunity for young lawyers? Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, obviously we're outside counsel. And so yeah. I don't focus, I don't focus on compliance. Right. I essentially, I come in when there are litigation <laughs> right. issues related to it. Yeah. But in, if, you know, and it kind of depends upon the career path that you as a, as an attorney want to pursue, if you want to go the in-house route versus the outside litigation route. Yeah. Uh, but, but, uh, there is a need in healthcare. There is a need in, uh, with these hospital systems for in-house counsel for compliance. There's no doubt about operations and compliance, and, and 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 frankly, the systems that we that we represent staff quite a few attorneys for that very purpose. Yeah. So it is absolutely a um, uh, an area that if you're interested in it, uh, that there's there are opportunities. 
What is also interesting now, I, I think there's also a, a market opportunity for people that have had that experience for, in, in the compliance arena to actually go out on their own and start their own firm to specialize in with the more transactional yeah. healthcare practice. There are, frankly, very few uh, firms that do that. Mm -hmm. So if you if you uh, you know you, you learn what you need to learn, and then you can go out and then market those skill sets to to the uh, to the healthcare clients, not just representing one in house, right? But for for the you know several, several systems uh, in and around the state, uh, it is it is absolutely something that I think is um, it's a it's a market that is. I don't want to say it's untapped, but I think it has a it can it be, it can become a, a larger uh, market opportunity for for young lawyers. Sure, sure. Uh, what's maybe something that you learned as a young lawyer that has stayed with you throughout your career and helped you as you've progressed uh, through the profession? That's a good question. Um, the one thing the one thing that that I've learned is that you can never stop learning. Hmm. Uh, when you, when you get out of law school and I, I, I graduated from Baylor university and Baylor university, it does a fantastic job of, of training young lawyers in the litigation field. So I, I felt that when I got out of Baylor that I was equipped to basically go try a lawsuit. Yeah. Well, I was on a level, right? but you then get out and you realize the, the, the practice of law is not the same as the, the law school concept of what the practice of law sure. is. And so what I learned early is I don't, you don't know what you don't know. So listen to and pay attention to what lawyers that do know what you don't know right. are doing. Right. And so, uh, I think that's kind of what you, you, you come out and frankly, you know, when you're, when you're coming out of law school, you, I don't want to say you're cocky, but you're like, Hey, I've got this and I'm ready to take on the world. I am ready to, you know, solve some problems and, and, and uh, do justice. Right. It's, it's, it's best if you come out and are humble and if you, and, and, and focus and, and soak up like a sponge, the, what lawyers that have been out practicing in your area have been doing for years. And I think that's really, that's the key to being a young lawyer. And that is surrounding yourself with good people, being humble, and learning how to take advice, and again, not all advice is something that's good. It's also discerning what you believe a you know what you believe is is is, a, is an appropriate way to practice versus what you see maybe uh, may not be appropriate in some areas. Yeah. A lot of times, bad habits can be uh, can be reinforced over years, and so it's a really a process of learning. Uh, and, and frankly, that's what the law is. I mean, that's what they call it the practice. <laughs> right. You're, you, you never you're, you're never you never reach that point where you've got it all figured out. I think that's great, great advice that really emph that, um, emphasis on humility um, and always learning is so good. And the way, as, as you were talking, I'm, I was thinking about the fact that it, it seems like at least for me, this is my experience that you either come in humble or you become humbled at some point by something. <laughs> I, I, will, I will tell you, I will tell you a little anecdote. So my very first uh, opportunity to answer discovery. So I get this law, I get this lawsuit and I go, I, I came to work for a fairly large firm out, out of, out of practice yeah. out, uh, when I got out and they handed me a kind of a smaller case and, you know, run with it. So I got discovery. First set of discovery that I had to respond to, I blew the deadline. Uh, so mm. 
And I walked into the partner, I said, I miss this. And there were requests for admissions that were deemed against me. And he, and he looked at me and goes, file a motion. And it all got worked out. But I will tell you, I have never Ooh. missed a deadline since. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> never. And it's so, but it's, it's also one of those things. You look, you are not, you're not, things are not going to go perfectly for you. Right, right. And so what you need to do is on the, you know, when those things do not go right, learn from it, figure out what went wrong. And in, in this particular case, it was miscalendered. Figure out what went wrong and try to implement processes or, uh, or whatever you need to implement to make sure that that doesn't happen again. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Do you remember what specifically you implemented after that day? Uh, I double, so I implemented a kind of a, a, a double calendaring system. Yeah. And I also took kind of more responsibility relative to me to make sure that what, obviously the lawyer doesn't do the calendaring, the, the assistants do the calendaring, but to make sure that, um, there's more than one set of eyes on it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, so, um, thinking about associates that you've worked with over the years and led as, as you've progressed, um, as become a partner and launched your own firm as you did, um, what are a couple of traits or characteristics that have been common to associates that you've seen have success? Well, obviously hard work. Um, if you know, if you're coming out and, and, and you've gone through law school and you're, you're going to, you're going to start your practice, you know, you're getting into a profession that, that is going to require hard work yeah. and a lot of your time. So you need to be willing to work hard. Um, so that's number one. But what I found is the associates that I feel have an opportunity for success are those that are able to look and look at a problem and find out what the key issues are. Because hard work is great and you can do a lot of work, but at the end of the day, what you're trying to do is solve a problem for a client. Right. Okay. And the client wants the problem solved and the client wants the problem solved as cheaply as possible. So doing a lot of hard work that isn't solving the problem is just hard work that's costing the client a lot of money. Mm. So yeah. what I've, what, you know, so th those associates that are uh, unafraid to come in and ask questions and, and, but to be able to kind of see the problem and distill it into what are the the main issues that need to be addressed. I, mean, I think that's a, that's key for an associate that, that I think um, has an associate with that kind of uh, ability, I believe can go far mm. because at the because again, you know, a hardworking attorney, there are lots of them, but you have to be hardworking, but hardworking towards a purpose that matters. Right. Right. No, that's good. You reminded me of, uh, you know, when I first started, uh, working in college athletics and, and I worked in men's basketball at Oklahoma and Kelvin Sampson was my boss and, and he's now the coach at Houston and is doing real well and, and all that. Um, and, but I, I'll never forget a film session, um, where we were watching the game tape from the night before and he was, uh, focusing in on one particular player who just played so hard, just, you know, just really was all out. I mean, you couldn't ask any more from him effort wise, but the critique from Coach Sampson was, 
son, it's like you're on a treadmill. You're working hard, but you're not going anywhere. And just, you know, that's exactly right. And and that's, that's what, as you were talking, that's what that reminded me of. I just have that seared into my mind of, of going in a direction that's the right direction and, and building on top of something else and working towards something versus just the, you know, aimless working hard, but going hard, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. But to bring that back to the legal profession. So for example, it's, Associates are going to get this a lot. They're going to get called into the partner's office and say, I've got this issue. I need you to research it and find out kind of what the answer is. Yeah. And so they will, they will go out and they'll start researching it. They'll bring me back a memo and it'll be 30 pages and it'll reflect all, it'll reflect, here are these cases that address this, 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 this. And that's it. I'm like, well, great. What's the answer? <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. I want to know. I don't, you know, you could re- reciting a lot of me is great and you need to do that. That's, that was, that was part of the job. But the other, the other part of the, but the inquiry is, okay, what's the law, but what's the answer? Yeah. Does, does it work here? Does it not work here? What, you know, can we apply this? You know, give me your analysis based upon the underlying facts of this case relative to the law that you found. Give me that part. And it's those associates that can take that and, and, uh, and, I don't want to say find me the answer because, as you know, the the answer can be fairly ambiguous in the legal realm. But you know, if I'm if I can if I can see your analysis and I understand it and it flows, Mm -hmm. then it's kind of one of those you you get it, and the the attorneys that get it are the ones that have the opportunity for success. Right. Yeah. No, that's good. Well, we can certainly envision the opposite of some of those things as being things to avoid, but maybe what's something else that, that you've seen young associates maybe get tripped up on or, or things that, that uh, um, get them uh, going in the wrong direction uh, career-wise uh, that you would advise that they try to either avoid or fix or, or be mindful of? Right. That's another good question. Um, it's, kind of, it, it's kind of the opposite of what we were talking about. You know, lawyers... And the lawyers that come in and one aren't prepared to work hard and they have a sense of entitlement about them. And, and so, you know, when a, when a, when a partner or a senior associate comes to them and they just don't do what's necessary to, to assist them, they don't, if they don't put themselves out there saying, Hey, I'm here, I'm your guy or girl, you know, that's that's a recipe for not going very far. Right. Um, but also, again, it, just churning on the treadmill and and not getting the answer that's needed, yeah. I think is is something that uh, you know. Again, you you can have a long you can have a long career as a lawyer in a firm, just kind of doing the the grinding work. Mm-hmm. But are you ever going to succeed? Um, and again, I think it goes back to a sense of entitlement. They want their paycheck, but they're not prepared to work for it. Right. Um, lawyers that also, but, but again, you know, we're talking about, we're talking about the practice of law, but at the end of the day, here's what we are a service, uh, yeah. profession. Yeah. So the successful lawyers are the ones that have the ability to connect with and develop relationships with the clients. Yeah. It's relationship driven. And so I know a lot of really, really smart lawyers that while they're very good at what they do, 
they're not very relationship oriented. And so they wonder, well, why is it that the client's not coming to me, but they're going to mm. this person? Why is it that, um, you know, I'm not the one that, that, that that's on their speed dial? Well, because you may be great, but you haven't developed that relationship right. with them. It's, it's a relationship driven business. So you, I don't want to say you have to have a dynamic personality because, you know, uh, good lawyers and, and, and their success relative to developing clients come in all, you know, all shapes and sizes. But you have to be a, a, that type of person that is able to take what is essentially a complicated subject matter in an area that they're not familiar with, mm-hmm. explain it to them, make them feel comfortable with it, and, and, and make them feel comfortable making the decision based upon your recommendation. Yeah. And so I, I guess that's, that's really the key to success relative to the legal profession. It's, it, we're providing a service to the client. And so your, your, first, your, your first priority is relationships with that client. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, um, there's two directions. There are two directions I want to go. Um, I'm going to save one, uh, and go and and I'm saying it out loud. So I remember it. The other, um, I want to start with is, um, you've mentioned hard work a number of times. Uh, and and I think that we all as lawyers know that, that, that is, you know, answer one a to being successful and doing good, you know, having a great career here. I wonder um, how, if any, if at all, um, you view that differently in 2020 versus whenever you started in the profession uh, and, and just thinking back, because there's such a conversation now about work-life balance and younger folks entering the workforce are looking for different types of arrangements, different types of all of that. And I just wonder if you see it um, as you know, it's still, it is what it is. You still have to do what we did 20 years ago or 10 years ago or five years ago. Um, or if there is a legitimate shift, even within the legal uh, industry in the way that, that, that plays out. I think you're seeing a shift. Um, and I think it's a good shift because I think work-life balance is, is important. Uh, you can get burned out doing this, doing this work. And, you know, there are some lawyers that just love the law and that's what they do. And they're going to, you know, they're going to die at their desk. And if you are, if you are that personality, well, good for you. Uh, I, uh, I'm not. And, and frankly, I've made it, especially over the last five or six years, I've made it a concerted effort. And I, you know, I've got the opportunity now because I am a partner, so I can sure. Yeah, I can take that time. I mean, when you're a young associate, you're taking the time I'm taking. That's probably not right. going to work out too well for you. Right. But you know, when I was when I was growing up in the in the profession, I had young kids, and and frankly, I I look back on that, and I, I sacrificed a lot of time with them to, to get where I am. So, and do I have regrets about it? Sure, I do have regrets about it. So, um, that's the profession you choose. Now there are, I think there is a trend away from that, and I think it's good. But one thing that we do in our firm. You know, we, I have had uh, the fortune of, of having several female attorneys uh, that made the decision when we have had, you know, had children to kind of go to go the part-time route. And uh, and we were, we were flexible enough as a, as a firm to embrace that and not lose their talent. So we have uh, several relationships with, with attorneys that don't want the full-time responsibility or time because they have other familial commitments. But so with like, great, if I can't get you 40 hours a week, can I get you 15? Because they're, and, and you know what, if I need to hire, if I need to have, you know, three lawyers at, at 15 an hour versus one at 45 an hour, I'm willing to do that. And so I think now, you know, with that, th- th- there's always a payoff. You can't have, you can't have it all. 
Right. You know, so if you are wanting to have the work-life balance that, that, that you, uh, that you desire, that's great. And I, but that does come with a trade-off. Sure. And, you know, so don't expect to be the senior partner at firm if you're, you know, not working the weekends and you're not, you're not, and you're going on vacations more than the, the other, the other attorneys. Right. But I think it's a, you know, Hey, it's, there are opportunities among law firms now to um, keep people that have the desire to continue to practice, but don't necessarily want to work the hours that you traditionally or you know you traditionally work in, the, in this in this model. Right. So yeah. yes, there, that is a trend. Yeah, um, and I think it's a, and again, I think it's a good trend. Well, and I think you pointed out something too that's important about that, which is it, for you and then for the others that you were referencing as examples, is that they had already made their value apparent uh, to the firm, right? And so it was something that after putting in years of, of hard work, good work, um, that shows the firm, okay, you know, even if we only have them for 15 or 20 hours a week, that is a net benefit to our firm to continue uh, to have them work here, even if it's at that kind of a pace, Absolutely. right? And if, if that's not necessarily a, a, a conclusion that's reached if, if it's only been a year or two years or whatever and, and, and that kind of thing. I, I have two, two, two partners that I practiced with for years that were just fantastic lawyers, fantastic lawyers, hated to see them go. Um, but, you know, they made that decision and I, I think they made the right decision relative, you know, for, for what, for what they, uh, for what they wanted to do. But, uh, it, it makes no sense to kind of discard the relationship because they're not able to work on your terms. Right. If you, yeah. you, if you're flexible as a, as a, as a law firm, you can still utilize incredible talent just in a different way. Yeah. Well, the other direction I wanted to go a minute ago was you were talking a lot about building relationships with clients and have it, how important that was. I do want to ask you about just advice that you have for young lawyers on uh, building that, that client development skill, uh, being able to, even if, you know, wherever they're at, at their firm or their career, it's not the time for them to actually um, bring in business, maybe necessarily, uh, but to be able to lay that foundation and to be able to, uh, at the whatever point in time that comes, that they've got a network of people that can be their clients. How would you advise them on that? I think the, I, you know, obviously your focus as a young lawyer should be on becoming the best lawyer you can be. Right. And so it's good. So that, that it, that's your main focus. But at the same time, you can never start too early developing relationships. Yeah. And if that could be a relationship outside of the practice of law, getting involved in your neighborhood association, getting involved in outside areas. Mm -hmm. um, it also can be, you know, communicating with and developing a relationship with an existing client. What happens quite often is the, 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 the senior partners who are kind of one step out the door that's had that, that they've had a client for years, but they're, they're less than less responsive to them because they've got one foot out the door. This is a perfect opportunity for the young associate while practicing law. Look, email, take them out to dinner, grab a drink with them after work. Um, the minute they call, the minute they email, respond immediately. Make them think of you whenever the, whenever they have a legal need. Yeah. Yeah. And so now 
it has to be organic. It can't be, you can't push it, you can't fake it. If you're kind of uh, handing out your card going, hey, Grant Blaze, <laughs> nice to know you. Be, you know, I'd love to be your lawyer. Right. I mean, I guess if you want to do that, great. But really, it's about creating organically the relationship and then that relationship then uh, creates kind of the, uh, the catalyst for them hiring you as an attorney. Yeah. Um, relative to outside of the legal profession, again, get involved in your neighborhood, get involved in outside entities and organizations, because what's going to happen is somebody's going to come to you. Yeah. Hey, I, hey, Grant, you're a lawyer. I've got this issue. Also, you may not be able to help them on that issue. Right. Don't just say, sorry, buddy, I can't help you. What you do is, you know what? I may or may not be able to do that for you, but let me get you to somebody who can. Yeah. Absolutely. And so follow through to make sure that they get taken care of, because even though you may not be able to take care of them, they're going to remember that you took your time to get them to the person that could. And the next time that something comes along, they're probably going to come to you again. Right. And that time you may be able to help. Yeah. Not to mention you've now helped generate some business for the other lawyer who may be able to refer you business back at some point down the line as well on a totally different issue and different time and all that. So it's kind of well, got, you got a couple of different things going on there. You do. And I will tell you, that's another thing. Don't, don't, uh, don't feel like you have to hoard clients right? to the expense of one being able to adequately service them. Right. Uh, and also at the expense of risking kind of severing a relationship with another lawyer because other lawyers can be a great referral source. Absolutely. And so you're exactly right. You've got to be, you've got to walk up, you got to walk a fine line, you know, be, be available, but also don't be in a situation where you are to the, to the detriment of one, your, your ability to service the client and also to your relationship with other lawyers, keeping that one, keeping that one file or doing this one thing that you're not necessarily equipped to do because, you know, one file can ruin an entire history of potential business that, yeah. uh, that may come. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, kind of the last topic I want to ask you about before we wind up today, uh, is just the process and the thoughts that you have on going through hiring a new associate. So as you've done this over the years, uh, what's, what's something that you're on the lookout for maybe in an interview setting, as you're talking with a prospective, uh, associate that you're looking to hire, What's some things you're looking for? What are red flags? What kind of comes up in an interview? Uh, walk us through that a little bit, the things that are kind of top of mind for you. Right. So it's now I will tell you that I, with our law firm, we're again, we're smaller. We don't have a, we don't have a structured interview system in place. It really is me and my other two partners. And we kind of, and frankly, we, I think that we should have been, and we can be more proactive relative to hiring as opposed to reactive, which we are. So we, we basically get behind, we need have a need and then we kind of panic and start hiring, which I think is but fairly I, common. I mean, like I think it, you're more in the, that's the majority probably of firms in your uh, size and all of that. So I think, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I will tell you, so what impress, what impresses me? Yeah. First of all, credentials, obviously. Sure. I mean, uh, that you could, you can say, Oh, you know, credentials don't matter, but, but they do. Right. And so if, how well, how well have you done in law school, uh, and what law school did you go to? Uh, those are those are factors. Now, that's not the only factor. I'm not going to say, okay, well, you 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 were at this level in your in your in your class, so therefore we're not going to look at you. Right. But it's uh, but it is a factor. Uh, what involvement did you have 
that is that that matters. Okay, so on a resume, I, I don't care that you worked at Smoothie King over the summer. What I do care about is what what experience you had relative to the legal profession that that could or could not you know that may or may not matter to me. Um, were you involved in moot court? Were you involved in mock trial? I think those are those are important, but. You know, that's just looking at a resume and that's how well you've performed in law school. What I, when I'm looking at you relative to, uh, you're sitting there across the desk from me, um, I want a genuineness. Hmm. Uh, and I, I want to see a, 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 somebody who is dynamic, that can relate. And because again, we, we talk about, yeah. are you, the, is this a person that, that I can trust with a client or is a client going to scratch his head and go, I, I can't speak to this person or they're, they're, they're not getting it or, or right. whatever. So there's a, and, and that, that, that requires a, a personality that, you know, just, you know, I, I can't, I can't tell you, I can't tell you what it is. It's just kind of, I know what, I know it when I see it, right. but a gen, but it's a genuineness. So don't, yeah. you know, don't try to, don't, don't try to come in to me and, and talk to me about, don't try to BS a BSer. <laughs> don't when you tell you know, we oh this is oh, this is exactly what I wanted to do this is precisely my you know right and, and I know it's fake yeah it's it's be open be honest uh, a writing sample is important relative to kind of what we do because we do again quite a we do quite a bit of writing so if you have a writing sample I think it's important to provide that uh, that gives me kind of a, a preview of what I'm what kind of work product that I can expect from that person so I think a, I think a writing sample helps. Um, what is a red flag to me is somebody who's been at 14 law firms in 14 years. Mm. So, sure. um, you know, at that point that, that, that is a red flag. Now there's, there's nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with moving. Right. And obviously there, you know, people are moving because they feel like this is a better opportunity for them and their family. And I have no problem with that, but it does, you need to be real careful about kind of doing that jumping every year or two because that 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 is a potential red flag for an for an employer. Yeah. I think that's good. I'm glad you mentioned that cuz I mean I think that we are seeing more of that movement in shorter spurts of time in between and I do think there's uh, a little bit more uh, of a acceptance of it on the firm side, but there's still a lot of hesitancy that you just expressed. I think that's still the majority probably opinion from law firms when they see a lot of you know, short spurt moving around kind of stuff. Right. So I think that's definitely something that candidates should be aware of as they are applying for positions that probably that is, you know, something that the other side may be concerned about, that the law firm may be concerned about. Well, and I, what, obviously, here, here's, look, if you are not happy in a law firm, get out. I mean, life's yeah, too short. Right. And so right. I'm not saying don't get out of law. Here's, here's, but here's kind of the, from an employer's perspective, what I'm saying, what I'm thinking, you know, sometimes, you know, if, if you're if you if you're moving you're 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 moving for a reason you're moving because you're not happy or you're not getting paid enough or I mean there's a, there's a reason you're leaving yeah. okay now I'm okay with that again but the more you do the more you move at some point I begin to wonder are you moving because there's an issue with your firm or are you moving because maybe there's an issue with you yeah and that's kind of like the old ad, I guess, if, you know, every, every room has their, has their jerk. And <laughs> right. if you look around and you don't, you don't see any, maybe it's you. <laughs> right. So if you don't have the self-awareness to know if, why you're not happy yeah. in the law, in, in the firm you're at, then that's a potential problem. Now, as a, as a practical matter, I really don't know that. 
and, and this yeah. is where it's more of a, this is really more of a gut feel for me. Yeah. I like credentials. I like experience. Um, you know, I will pick up the phone and call references. Yeah. So if, if, if you have a reference, don't, I mean, you better put somebody down that's willing to talk glowingly about you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, it, it's really more of a feel. I, again, I, in my area, look, if yeah. you're, if you're a corporate transactional guy or you're doing real estate, you know, the, 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 the character traits that they may require versus what I'm looking at are different. Sure. I'm looking at somebody that is going to make an impression, impression in front of the clients, mm-hmm. make an impression in front of a jury. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a little bit of theater. So I'm looking at also somebody that, again, with the personality that, 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 that accompanies the credentials. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Well, Grant, uh, you have been so generous with your time. I really, really appreciate it. We're going to finish up here with our rapid fire questions. Just these quick little one word, one phrase answers. Uh, if you're ready, uh, I will fire these at you. Let's go. All right. Name the one trait or characteristic you most want to see in an associate. Willingness to do the work. Willingness to do the work. What habit has been key to your success? Having good partners around me. Hmm. And uh, I, I, I will tell you, I, I think it's, again, it's, it's responsiveness to clients. Yeah. Yeah. Your favorite app or productivity tool or double calendaring. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I will tell you Google is your friend. Yeah. Uh, I have done, I, have, I am, I am not that technologically savvy, uh, but I do quite a bit of researching and obviously you used, you used to go to the Lexus Westlaw, but I will tell you yeah, Google. Now you got to be careful, obviously yep. you got to figure out the, the underlying source, but, but Google is a fantastic device for initial, for, if, for, for getting kind of an, uh, a quick initial answer. You got to dig deeper, but Google is your friend. Yeah. 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 No, it's good. Um, lastly, favorite legal movie. Yeah, it's funny. I don't really like legal movies because I sit there and complain about it all the time. And my wife gets mad because she loves them. But I will tell you, my favorite legal movie is My Cousin Vinny. Oh, there we go. Yeah. And also, frankly, it is probably the most realistic of any of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad you said it. You probably don't know this. So we're doing legal movie deep dives on this show every uh, couple of weeks. And we came right out of the gate. Number one movie out was My Cousin Vinny. So we did we did the deep dive on that uh, and uh, a lot of fun. It's one of our favorites as well. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's, it's, fant- it's, it's funny, yet it's it's really, again, more, one of the more realistic. You know, that's what makes you laugh as a lawyer. When you see that happening, you're like, oh, you know what? Yeah, yep. I've been there. I've <laughs> yeah. been there. I've seen that judge's <laughs> look before. <laughs> that's exactly right. I've, I've, I've heard overruled many times. <laughs> Well, Grant, thank you again. This has been great. I really appreciate it. And I know our audience does as well. So thanks for being here. My pleasure. My pleasure. All right. My thanks again to Grant Blaze for joining us on today's show. A quick reminder that if you or someone you know has construction litigation experience and might be open to making a change, I'm currently conducting a search for a Dallas-based construction law boutique and would love to hear from you. Also, another reminder, don't forget Movie Verdicts with Robert Callahan and myself. We are breaking down A Few Good Men, and it's in your feed right now. So please check that out. And finally, if you enjoyed this episode, would you please subscribe to the show so that when the next one 
drops, you are the first one to have it. And if you could leave a rating and review in your podcast app or player, we would appreciate that as well. All right, that brings us to the end of this week's Monday Mentors episode of Lone Star Lawyers. Thanks so much to each of you for listening and being with us. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you.